The native tongues are about to proceed with the usual lingo. The usual rhythm. Devoted to the arts of moving butts. The rhythm's happening and it's moving up. The chop has been on hold for much too long. Hello everybody and welcome to the Sonic Collective's May 2020 review of A Tribe Called Quests, People's Instinctive Travels in the Pass of Rhythm. Wow, that's a long title. So I had heard about this album mostly from Darren quite some time ago, and I realized that while I knew of the band, there was sort of this black hole of what their music was. And wow, I'm feeling old when I realized that this came out in 1990, which doesn't sound long ago, but that means it's 30 years old so we've all had a listen over the last month let's hear what you thought about it let's go to a guy with a great name scott what do you think of it i uh i liked it <laughs> that's it that's all i have to contribute details no, uh i scott I'm, liked it i'm with you in that like for some reason i i have to say that i i didn't listen to a lot of tribe back in the day i was in a Public Enemy phase, Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique had come out right around that time, everything like that. So, you know, I, I never really dug down into these guys beyond, like, you couldn't uh, get away from Can I Kick It, right? So I knew that song, but and uh, uh, Applebum there, but not much else other than that. So thinking back, I don't know how, but they had morphed into, like, this Fathers of Rap thing, but they're, like, from ninety. Right. Like their contemporaries, like Will Smith had three albums out before this came out. Right. So it, it kind of shocked me. But he's in the same category in my mind as Will Smith. I put him, I've loosely called this the wish I was a little bit taller, wish I was a baller category of rap, where you've got like these clean rappers that are still trying to get a message out there, but they're not really swearing. They're not talking, you know how bitches and hoes ain't shit and all that stuff. They, they are shit. So, uh, you know, Skilo, De La Soul, Fresh Prince, all those guys, I like them, you know, like it's a, it's a lighter fare when you, when you go in and some of these songs really spoke to me, right? Like, can I kick it? Uh, I only listened to it once or twice really because, uh, I'd heard it so often and still heard it so often. What intrigued me about that is there's a site called whosampled.com and so I dug into that one because you could definitely, we all know the the most famous uh, sample on it, but there's like two more on there. Like Lonnie Smith spinning wheel actually is responsible for both the drum line and that keyboard breakdown in it. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm doing more of that as we go through this rap category, but I liked it. I like that funky seventies piano organ that they have going on in the background, the they play with the tempo and the drum lines. I still don't know what left my wallet in El Segundo is. I like it, but I'm looking for a deeper meaning. And I'm either too sober or too, you know, not Darren status to, to really get it. But yeah, I like to you know, like go ahead in the rain and description of a fool. It's not quite public enemy but it is very social conscious in its message and it's speaking to black youth. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, I can by Nas where they're saying, Hey, as a community, let's rise above, let's be good to ourselves and, and plot a future um, that has success in it. And uh, I really like that. I, I appreciate that. Um, I stopped and listened to the 25th anniversary version of the album as well, too, because it had three uh, remixes 
one by CeeLo Green for Footprints, one by Pharrell Williams for Bonita Applebaum, uh, which I thought both of the originals just absolutely kicked their asses. So I'm not too sure why they were put on the album other than the uh, the name recognition of that time. But J. Cole's cover of Can I Kick It was actually really worth listening to. So I know we usually like to go back to the original cuts of albums, and this is great in its original state too, but that 25th anniversary album uh, is worth it just to hear that that cut as well too so yeah it's a lighter fare uh it didn't have me angry at the state which is good because there's enough of that going around right now and uh i just kind of want to be a better person after listening to this all right nice one scott actually i get irritated by the inability to sometimes find just the normal release of albums online like i find every time i go to apple it's only the deluxe version there and i often i'm wondering like how different is this from the original release like i know they put some bonus tracks on but did they go and like change it so that kind of bugs me a bit that you can't just often seem to find the regular original releases stuff totally especially since like since about the 80s masters were kept a lot more carefully than you know they used to do crack off of them or cocaine in the 60s and 70s and then you never saw them again kind of thing right so their ability to go back and just recut these things and make them completely different than what they were before uh that really pisses me off too but luckily Mm. this one holds up so okay good one well let's go to the guy that we're all pretty sure loves this album uh darren tell us what you think about it yeah, this is a uh, well. This was awesome for me, and I'm glad you picked it because uh, I always feel like you shouldn't pick the bands you love so much and explore a new ones. So I was pretty glad you did. Um, this is up there for me, so it's it will be biased, but only because I I love it so much. Um, I yeah, I would have been in my early 20s. Well, I was 20 in 1990, so when this came out, so I was right in the prime of kind of listening to hip hop. And I remember loving that whole group, uh, De La Soul, Jungle Brothers, and uh, Queen Latifah was in there as well. Um, and they, they were part of that Native Tongues, which was kind of a part of the Universal Zulu Nation, which was an even a bigger group. And it, it's actually worth exploring the history of that, um, especially right now with all the stuff that is actively going on in the United States, uh, uh, with all the protesting and Black Lives Matter, and it's crazy to see and you see an idiot president doing nothing and to help um but realize at the time the states was kind of in a similar position and um yes there were a lot of groups like public enemy at the time that were uh, really crying about the outrage and this is at the tail end of ronald reagan had just finished his presidency in 1989 and he was extreme right wing he wasn't far off trump now i mean there was a lot of cover-up and realized that was the the censorship scandals that uh, two live crew had to go through and NWA uh, were happening around this time. So there was a lot going on. Uh, Realize that the Rodney King riots were only a, a year and a half away from the launch of this. So the States was kind of this tinderbox ready to go. And um, a lo- some rappers and especially of this group uh, identified that that was a bit of a problem and wanted to make about more of a positivity and, you know, pro Afrocentric messaging versus just, uh, you know, rage against the machine type public enemy type uh, rap. Um, and they also wanted to get away. There's still the beginning of that kind of like, look how much money I have and all the girls I'm banging, like, you know, two live crew, which I mean, Hey, I was into at the time. Maybe it's not the best music to like now. I actually disagree with you, Scott Gregory, when you you're putting it in the same breath as a fresh Prince. I just like, Ugh. I see that as more pop rap, like, and, and that had its place, like Fresh Prince, MC Hammer, these types of bands that came out that were really on the pop charts. Um, 
these guys were not getting that type of play at that time. Uh, Fresh Prince and all those guys were, uh, and they were really trying to just make it uh, in the pop charts. This was more approachable and did get, you know, a fair bit of airplay, but uh, they were really trying to get that message out. So anyway, uh, there was a lot going on at that time. And uh, and just, you know, we didn't really get into it, but the members, Q-Tip, Kamal Farid, Fife Dog, Malik Taylor, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, the producer DJ, and Jarobi. Um, they had other members come and go, but uh, uh, th- that was kind of the main group. And they started, they were, uh, Q-Tip and Fife Dog were like elementary school friends. Like they, they, it was, uh, and actually Fife Dog, even though Q-Tip became the leader, it was Fife Dog that really kind of like at eight or nine was like, hey man, we got to do a rap band. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, we'll figure it out. And that's how the way they really started, which is crazy. Um, I loved it. I think at the time too, uh, one of the big differentiators was uh, all the DJs that were diving into these funk bins and old soul and trying to find these samples and loops that they could use. Um at the time, especially Q-Tip and Ali Shaheed Muhammad, their families and the way they were raised and their musical tastes were skewed towards jazz more than soul, funk. So they were they were looking at different records than everybody else. So that's where you get these really smooth beats. And they were all about, they wanted that, you know, a lot of, you know, jazz sounds, but they wanted the pump and bass and they wanted it to kind of be a nice flow and smooth. And I think even that, like the artist flow as a rapper and how they rap over a certain beats um i think when q-tip and fife dog the way they played off each other but then made it so smooth was at the time a really different sound as well and so just that they really kind of changed the, the landscape i mean they're really you know the kings of alternative rap at that time um i probably have a lot more but i'll just you know pass it on a bit here and then maybe come back but yeah i i could not love these guys more i think this album was absolutely dynamite and a game changer at the time alan what do you think um i really liked it i was it's funny i was actually going to pick this album as well uh but it wasn't my turn to pick and scott picked so cool um yeah one of my really good friends is a huge fan of this group and he was forever talking about it and i never really gave it a chance so I figured now would be the time to explore. Um, one thing I love about this album is the the heavy use of those jazz samples because jazz is a music form that I don't really personally have a lot of experience with. Um, and there's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of soulfulness to it. And I think a lot of that stuff kind of translates into um, a tribe called Quest just through their heavy use of sampling. And I was definitely referring back to that website Scott mentioned earlier, whosampled.com. Because uh, every track, I was like, okay, this sounds familiar. Either I've, either I've heard the original version that a tribe called Quest is using, or I've heard someone else use this bit that a tribe called Quest created or whatever. So, um, yeah, uh, I think the Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique kind of steals their thunder a little bit, having that album having come out a year before and being really renowned for their uh, their sampling usage. But if we imagine for a second that the Beastie Boys never released that album, I kind of wonder if A Tribe Called Quest would have maybe received a little more recognition for their, uh, their use of samples. Anyway, um, yeah, I'd never heard any of the tracks on here before. Um, Push It Along was really good. I uh, I really enjoyed Bonita Applebum and uh, Can I Kick It as well. 
those were probably my favorite tracks. Uh, some of them, like lyrically, I kind of expected this to be a little bit more in the realm of like conscious rap, uh, where it's sort of espousing like a positive message for the community or, you know, it's somewhat politically charged, but, uh, you know, less about like, hey, let's riot against the establishment and more just like, hey, let's come together as people. And I think lyrically, I was a little let down because it didn't didn't have a lot of that substance. And I guess maybe that was just me expecting something that didn't happen. I mean, some of the some of the lyrics were kind of weird. I mean, I like like one of you guys said with the left my wallet and El Segundo, for example, or ham and eggs. Like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> maybe my expectations were uh, too far in one direction. And it uh, it kind of tainted my appreciation. But either way, I mean, it was a fun album to listen to. I listened to it a number of times, kind of from the first track to the last track. I did listen to the extended or the uh, the 25th anniversary edition. Scott, I will disagree with you here. I actually prefer the originals to the the remixes or the, the renews. And I wasn't a fan of J. Cole's version of uh, Can I Kick It? But well, that's just me. Um, yeah, yeah I, that was the only one I liked out of the the three. So we totally agree with the CeeLo and Pharrell ones. I enough. just I like I like the Cole one. Yeah, um, for me the uh, the originals were kind of the the better deal. And something I right. find I say a lot in in reviewing some of these albums, especially the the hip hop styles, is that it really does capture um, that that time frame less so I think lyrically with this one, but just the style, the cadence of their, their rapping. It's very, very early nineties. Um, it was probably pretty influential. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Overall, I, I enjoyed it for sure. Sweet. And I want to jump back in for a second, cause there's actually something that both you and Darren, uh, kind of said that, that play into each other because, um, I agree with you, Darren, in that we disagree a little bit, but only in that, um, you know, when I say that they're in that same category, it's in their their approach to positivity, right? Like, definitely there's, mm-hmm. on no planet is description of a fool or go ahead in the rain, the same as girls of the world ain't nothing but trouble, right? So, mm-hmm. and I think that's where that messaging was uh, coming in. Alan, that you were looking for. Uh, I listened to an interview with Ice Cube the other day, and they they were calling him the NWA, the fathers of gangster rap. And he was like, no, we were out there doing reality rap. You know, we knew, and it comes back to what you were saying as far as the police, the Rodney King was on the horizon. And they're like, no one was challenging the narrative as far as the police. And if you got into court with the police, the police automatically won. And so we wanted the reality of what life was out here to be on display. And then when Rodney King happened and that was out there and then tribe was out doing some reality as well too. Uh, it, it was like the tinder for the flame. Right. And so I definitely wouldn't put them in the same category of fresh Prince as far as the messaging, just in the positivity side. Right. And that, case there uh i definitely think they're a hundred percent a jazz powered reality rap group which i really appreciated about them because it was a different flavor from all of the other angrier voices that were uh, really being pulled to the front by everything that was happening in the states particularly in la at that time all right good perspectives guys um this album made me feel really old and 
<laughs> I because I was a DJ from about 15 in a roller skating rink and then in nightclubs in Calgary. And I'd say for the first up till 30 years old, like I always knew what was going on with music. And I think I had a pretty good idea of it. And I kind of have fallen out, I guess, in the last 15 years with what's popular. And I feel more and more like the other week on Apple, I, I, I clicked on their playlist like today's rap or something or today's hip hop. And I can honestly say every single song, I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear the the hit. I couldn't hear the the sticky part of the song. I, I'd hear it, and I'm like, I just don't hear what makes this a hit song. And every track is using autotune. Like every rapper sounded the same. One came on by Drake, and I'm like, this is what Drake sounds like. Like it's all going through a machine. So when I listen to this, I mean. I'm like, you can tell what these guys are saying. It's actually just their voice. And they, I think there's an innocence to this early rap where they actually try and articulate the words and speak clearly, which doesn't exist now. And I like the drum sound. Like, it's it's a real snare. I kind of could imagine a guy on the streets of New York City pounding one of those plastic bucket sets. Like, all the rhythms sort of just had that kind of side of the road thing. I don't know how I missed these guys. I knew their name, and I've heard one track off De La Soul, but... You know, I was into Beastie Boys and Run DMC, Raising Hell. Uh, Ice-T Power was 88. But somehow, I don't know if it's it's like a New York thing. I just missed all of this. And I realized listening to this, I've heard a lot of their stuff now sampled in other albums. But, God, I'm going to sound like an old man. I missed the days that rap was just kind of fun and had real vocals and wasn't all about how awesome I am and how I'm number one and how I'm going to out-rap you and have my bitches and hoes and get some Chris style like – I, everything I've heard in the last 10 years has all that stuff. And this reminded me of just like, I feel like back then rap was just kind of fun, right? It was, it was just fun stuff to listen to. So um, this reminded me of an album like that could be played at a block party or you could imagine at a house party. It's just upbeat, everyone having fun, having some drinks. I mean, uh, you guys mentioned Al Segundo. It was fun. But yeah, it was to me that was kind of neat and that like, what is this? It reminded me of like Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass kind of jam. Uh, Lucka Lucian was fun. I like Mr. Muhammad. Go ahead in the mm-hmm. rain. I thought of you, Alan, as a banger. I've never used that term. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I thought it was it was overall good. And I agree, Scott. I'd never thought about the Fresh Prince or some of those others. But there is a certain kind of innocence, just the purity. I like the purity and the clarity of that sound. Um before I go into reviews, like just some other ones I considered picking that I'm now going to really go listen to is The Blueprint by Jay-Z. Never listened to one of his. Uh, I don't know how you say it. Aquamini by Outkast. Darren put me onto that. That's a pretty good album. Aquamini. Aquamini. And I listened to Black on Both Sides by Moss Def because I've kept hearing that's like one of the albums and Illmatic by Nas. Mm-hmm. So uh, those mm-hmm. links from this page. So I'll just jump in with my reviews. I'll give it fours all around. Like Influence, yeah, I think I actually am now going to go listen to The Low End Theory and Midnight from uh, from this band, because I heard those are great. And I'll probably go back and maybe listen to good. De La Soul. Even they just released one yeah, a maybe, few years ago. Okay. okay, I'll probably go listen to De La Soul and kind of back to like maybe even Ice-T, like just that late 80s, early 90s rap a bit more. So it influenced me a bit. I'd recommend it because, hey, I'd heard of the guy named Q-Tip. I literally had no idea really who Q-Tip was. But, yeah, I think if you want to understand rap coming from, say, the Beastie Boys to Run DMC mid 80s times into where it went from there this is a pretty big one and definitely recommend it so fours all around uh, how about we go back to order mr gregory what would you say uh, 
yeah, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon, right? Like, um, the, did it in, did it really inspire me in the moment? No, because I, I was listening to other angrier stuff and I was either, uh, into the alternative side of the nineties rock scene, or I was catching the, to what Darren said, the people who were actually getting on much music and all of that stuff at the moment. Right. And so they kind of flew under my radar too. But when I look back at their influences, now that I'm a more seasoned music listener and I, I recognize a lot more of the, uh, the samples that they're using, the techniques and context of what everyone else was doing around them. I think uh, I'm with you and that it's going to inspire me to, to go back. I've loved outcast. I think, uh, you know, I'll go back and listen to them in the moment too, because I, I see a direct line between these two groups uh, as well too, and, and play around a little bit. So I'll give it, I'll give it solid force uh, across the way. Their next album I think is better than this one in this, what's considered Ooh. the birth of alternative rap. And so definitely put a couple more hours into that one as well too. But yeah, I think it's fair to, to give this force all around. Good stuff. Thanks. You got me excited about the other album. Okay. Over to Alan. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it fours all around too. I think, you know what, I'm going to give it four and a half for recommendation because <laughs> something Scott Coates, you actually touched on makes me, makes me realize, um, you're right. Hip hop today is all overproduced. It's very electronic. I think even the instrumentals, I mean, you can whip that together in uh, FL studio, formerly Fruity Loops. Uh, the samples that, that a tribe called quest uses that's real life people using real live instruments. And there's like a warmth, there's an analog to it. And I think it would be really great to recommend that to people to explore because then they're getting exposure into a, a different genre, multiple different genres that they're, they're sampling from. So fours, uh, for, for everything except for four and a half, I would absolutely recommend this to anyone who, uh, is into hip hop. Good one. I'm glad you agree on kind of like the old the old sound, man. I it it was only yesterday listening to it again that I kind of realized I think why it was speaking to me. It's just like actual sounds of the voices, right? And yeah, nothing about bitches or hoes or crystal. So or mumble cool. mumble rap. Yeah, or mumble. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Hey, uh, Darren. Yeah, and and just quickly on um, you're talking about the sound, and I love the sound of that stand up bass boom. Ooh, like it's just nice i mean like i said all the jazz instruments and they were uh, especially q-tip is known as an extreme perfectionist pain in the ass uh in the studio and ali shaheed muhammad they were just nuts about the detail and the layers that they were put into it and how it sounded so it sounds so good because they took their time and really put that effort into it um there's a really good uh series on netflix hip-hop evolution so season two episode three it's called do the knowledge that has the entire basically half last half of that whole episode is about a tribe called quest highly recommended to uh you guys and any of the listeners that are interested in it it does a really good job of breaking it down actually buster rhymes who was a later member uh kind of temporary member of a tribe uh said that that he was uh q-tip came in the studio once and him and ali shaheed muhammad had just done this whole new beat and section and they loved it and q-tip's like no and he literally erased it and they're like well don't erase it like why would you erase that yeah he tells a story on that show i'll let you go watch it but uh yeah and he just said because he that basically q-tip knew then he had to do something better and he would 
So that that's how much of a perfectionist it was. So that's why I think it really adds to the sound. So uh, anyway, for me, no surprise, fives all around. Uh, this is this is there for this is arguably could be one of my favorite albums of all time, all artists. Like, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it'd be hard for me to pick, but if I if in a top five, it wouldn't even be a no brainer. Definitely. Wow. Yeah, and I think just a tribe called Quest in general, just their sound style flow everything couldn't love more every album is amazing uh fife dog just passed away i'm forgetting the year i should look this up before um uh, just a couple of years ago they had just finished an album and he had always struggled with diabetes and had medical issues um yeah there's actually a good documentary about uh that from told from his standpoint about kind of the rise of the band and they actually separated for a long time and he wasn't he was quite poor and not doing well and then they reformed and kind of got him back and a lot of the reason they reformed was to help him because he had so many medical bills but you know yeah. long live uh, uh fife dog so uh fives all around for me it's awesome great pick cool. all right well uh sorry to kind of pick uh my pick from when you'd mentioned a ton darren but uh mm. i couldn't help it and glad, glad it sounds like we all kind of united on a, a bit of a miss for just the real sound of, of music and, and voices and stuff like that. Uh, who picks next? That would be me. That's Alan. So maybe after we finish recording this, if you know what it is, you can tell me what it is so I can start listening to it today. Mm -hmm. But yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in and listening to our review of A Tribe Called Quest. Brand new pick coming up for June. Holy hell, the six months of 2020 coming from Alan. So check out the website, thesoniccollective.com to see what that is. And we'll be back with a review in another month. Adios. Mama say ya, mama kusa, gets hectic, freak a bourgeois, request around for the musical hard on Avenue Streets and Boulevard. Not selling out, that's a negative. Love a hip hop, love a heritage. Got the instinct to travel miles and miles.